0: I need to start off by saying something that we've not really touched on so far in the series, and I'm not going to be going into too much detail of it, but it was before I get into the detail in the book, this is dangerous, because the last the last two times I've tried to get into the teaching... I've ended up not talking about the teaching but talking about some other stuff and then never getting to the teaching so I'm going to try and get to the teaching in the book because it's good but um, before that I was praying about it and I felt that I should be saying something about the difference between the Old Testament prophet and New Testament prophecy and what is the difference between those and uh, how do we how do we do that and often what we do with that quite rightly is we talk about wanting to give a lot of grace to somebody and to be able to say you know we're not throwing stones in the Old Testament you've got it wrong people will pick up rocks and throw them at you and then that stops you being a prophet. It's a really good way of putting people off um, prophesying if you get it wrong like that. But, um, and we, and, but there's other differences too and the main one is that there's a thing called the cross and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and there's the Holy Spirit and Pentecost coming to fill his people so we're not under the old covenant anymore, we're under the new covenant and in the old covenant they were not born again, they were not filled with the Holy Spirit and therefore they were not equipped to receive the supernatural in the same way as we're meant to be equipped to be able to do with that. So God couldn't speak to them and deal with them spirit to spirit like he wants to with us and that actually has enabled that because They hadn't been redeemed, they haven't been recreated, they haven't been restored. So now, now that we have come to Christ, now that we have become a new creation, God's plan for us, for the church, for the body of Christ under the new covenant is different. And it's glorious and it's more glorious. And we need to celebrate that, that under the new covenant, every believer has the responsibility and the privilege to be able to hear God and to be able to follow the Holy Spirit's guidance and leading for themselves. So we've got to be careful and we want to honour prophecy and we keep on trying to do that in this and not to you know, despise it in any way but we mustn't set up another kind of system that's like an Old Testament system where people are waiting for a prophet to give them a word from God because in the old testament they had a particular group of people there was the prophet priest and king and you went to them for various things but now we're a priesthood we are a kingdom of priests and and in the old testament the holy spirit didn't reside in people massive difference he rested on people, he empowered people for particular works, for a particular time. So you can read about them. Sometimes he made them very strong like Samson. The Holy Spirit would come on them and enable them to, to do what they couldn't do naturally. Sometimes somebody like Gideon, he's like the weediest little guy who's like, oh, not me, don't pick me. And then God comes along and says, mighty man of valour. And then says, yes, you. And then it, says the, it, it actually says the Spirit clothed himself you know, it's just like so, and that's glorious. But that's like external still. We we get internal, yeah. way better. We have the Holy Spirit on the inside of us. And so God doesn't want to lead us in the old covenant ways, which is often about through the flesh. He'll, he will lead us by the flesh, but that's only if we're so unspiritual. It's the only way that he gets to be able to lead us and we won't follow him any other way. Romans 8 verse 14 tells us, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. That's the marker of whether or not you're a Christian. Are you led by the Spirit of God? It doesn't say as many as are led by fleeces, like Gideon. It doesn't say as many as are led by prophets, like Saul, you remember he went and he didn't know what to do so he looked around until eventually he found a prophet who could tell him what to do. It says, it says you know, he was just looking for somebody who would say, thus saith the Lord. But these days the way that the, the Lord wants it to happen is to release through his people, through all of his people, he wants to equip the saints for the work of ministry by releasing apostles and prophets and evangelists and shepherds and teachers. He wants the, he wants it all, all of those ministries to be raised up. So we do want the ministry of prophecy to be lifted up in the same way as we want all of those other parts of the body to be moving. Because when all the parts of the body are moving, then everybody gets to see the head. And so we love prophecy and we want to encourage it in the same way as we want to Encourage teaching, and we want to encourage evangelism, and we want to be apostolic and break new grounds, and we want to care for people. All of those things are to be honoured. And and but yeah, the Bible there is something special about prophecy, though, because the Bible actually does say, especially that you may prophesy. There's something. It's like it's like it's God's favourite maybe gift. It's like you know, eagerly desire the gifts, and especially. That you may prophesy. Can we put the bigger lights on, is that all right? Because I'm sort of, everybody's so beautiful I want to be able to see them all, thank you. So, um, what I wanted to say is, this, is, is don't miss the supernatural looking for the spectacular. Because sometimes we can think it has to be spectacular to be supernatural. but but sometimes it's really super (laughs) and even though it isn't particularly uh, spectacular and just because it's spectacular doesn't mean it's supernatural. It could be a counterfeit. We got, you know we have to weigh these things we get the privilege of that so we're trying to give space in these evenings to be able to learn together more and more about how to, how the Holy Spirit wants to move and how he wants to speak and how we want to listen but we don't prescribe particular ways in which it's got to happen like this or it's got to happen like that you know we had an amazing time I was telling some of these guys a couple of weeks ago and we had this fantastic worship time and kind of God was here big time and it just sort of was felt like it was taking off and you couldn't even hear the guys in the worship band were saying they couldn't even hear themselves because everybody was So going for it, but then that could become a pattern. It could be like, oh, it wasn't about it wasn't a good one because that didn't happen. But the Holy Spirit, you know, the wind blows where it wills. You 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 can't manufacture and say it's got to happen like this because he'll because then what you do you you try and make it work yourself. You know, you get the sound guy, turn it up, turn it up. (laughs) (laughs) You know, or you only have the same people allowed to be in the band as if it was them. It's not them that's the point the next the, but I'm going to go to the book I'm going to go to the teaching because it's really good stuff in this and, and uh, this is from this guy Mark Isles who uh, was mentored by uh, Graham Cook and, um, and his teaching is really good so if we can put the first slide up please um, and then the next one because what he says is we've got to remember that prophecy is an art not a science and uh, it's not an exact science, but what we want to do is create environments where, like art, if you've ever done art, Michelle's done a lot of art, it's better to create an environment, you know, you've got to be in the right space to be able to, to do that, that kind of thing, and... Um, and, and so there's environments, and that's really I suppose what we're wanting to create here at Ivy and in doing it here, it isn't just so it'll happen here. We, we really want this to, to happen across all of the sites in, in, in various ways but, but, and part of that, there has to be some element of permission. There has to be some element of it's all right for it, it not to be 100% right and for people to be able to know that we, we know in part and we prophesy in part it says in 1 Corinthians. And that's all in that context of love and spiritual gifts. It talks about, about knowing in part and, and prophesying in part. And the danger of that, if we don't get that right, is what we'll try and do. is We'll try and fill in what we don't know with what we think we know. We'll end up thinking, oh, well, I, I, I know that person, so this probably means that, and I'll add that bit to it. Or I saw this thing that they said on Facebook or something. And you, you end up trying to bring your knowledge in some way into what God is saying or you know in some way to try and act as if we know and as if we know everything when actually we don't know everything and a good example of this biblically is is the prophecy by a recognized prophet by the name of Agabus who was a New Testament prophet it says in Acts 11 that he foretold that there was going to be a famine at the time um, at, at, at that time that was going to go across the whole world and he prophesied it and he was bang on it was absolutely right and they prepared the church prepared for it because they listened to that word, and then sometime later, the apostle Paul is, is um, he, he, Agapus, Agapus meets him, and 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 he, they're in the same room, and he, he, he comes down specifically with a word for Paul. And he says this, coming over, he took Paul's belt, tied his own hands and feet with it and said, the Holy Spirit says, in this way, the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem will bind the owner of this belt and will hand him over to the Gentiles. When we heard this, we and the people there pleaded with Paul not to go up to Jerusalem. Paul answered, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. So like, you know, give, him, give me my belt back. <laughs> I'm going anyway. And and um, But when you read on of what actually happened, you find this is what happened. The Roman commander came up to him and arrested him and ordered him to be bound with two chains. Then he asked who he was and what he'd done. That's that verse. It wasn't the Jewish leaders who bound him. It was the Roman commander. Now there's some places Agabus would be like you can't prophesy here anymore because you got that wrong you said it would be the Jewish leaders it was the Romans who did it it was the Gentiles who did it but you know what he was right and and it was like you don't have to know all the words to sing the tune and you can get so caught up on oh that wasn't quite right you totally miss what God's saying and what and the point of what he's trying to say is that is that get ready for some tough stuff. Yes. Paul, get ready. And even and Paul knew it wasn't like, oh, that means... And the other thing was, he didn't say, God says this, so don't go. I think I'd be tempted to do that, wouldn't you? Don't do it, Paul. You go there, they're going to tie you up, so don't go. He didn't do it. He didn't give him the, he had the revelation, but he didn't give him the interpretation or the application. He just gave him the message. Now that to me is a real sign of spiritual maturity. Because you don't. if you don't know, you don't know. And it's all right to not know. And... When we prophesy, we prophesy in part and we're more like a a postman delivering a letter and we don't know the reason for the letter. We don't know all of the previous correspondence that has happened before it. We don't know what the person in the house has been up to and what they've been waiting for and all of those kind of things. All we know is God gave us a a word and it's like now my responsibility as the post person is to to bring that to the recipient of it, and then there to be able to look at it and open it and decide, well, what does that mean to me? Does it mean anything to me? Is it junk mail? you know or is it something actually that I've really been waiting for and this is really going to help? So I, earlier I was praying and, uh, and I felt this came into my head, this idea to be able to actually write a word for somebody and to put it in an envelope. And, and I was like, great Lord, tell me who it's for. And he didn't until I got here. And it's actually for Christy. So there we go. So there you go. Thank you. So that's a word for her to be able to have a look at later on. And... Um, And and I don't know whether any of it or some of it will be right for you and you've got to weigh that because I've done my part, my responsibility. I've tried lovingly to frame it in such a way that I can hand it on to you for you to be able to then go to God with it and decide. But I've not said, this is from God for you and now here's what you must do. That's when it starts to get stinky. When people end up doing that and saying so, this means that 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 unless they know, it's like really, really careful not to know. And it could be, it's actually, I think God tests us sometimes by saying, will you say what you don't, a bit of what you don't know, but it's the bit that, you, that seems like, it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense to me. But if I was to say a blue ball or your grandmother's shoes or whatever, that's like, it means something to you, but it may not mean anything to me. And we've got to be willing to be able to do that. And I think as we do that, God, God loves it when we grow like that and we take a risk like that. So I was just talking to Lindsay about this. And years ago, I worked with a, a guy who was incredibly prophetic. And uh, and, and, I, and I remember one time that when we were sitting, uh, it was at his conference um, uh, facility down in the Southwest. And uh, Eating and various people were walking round, and David, as I say, was just one of these guys who could literally hear God in a most scary way. You know, you you kept short accounts with God anywhere when you were near him. And um, I mean, we were just talking, and and this lady came past who was the waitress, and as she got near him, David just reached out his hand and touched her on the forearm, and he, and he said, "Oh, excuse me." And she looked at him like that. and said, "Yeah," and he says, "God says you'll be all right with the salad," and I'm like. This is a bit weird. And, um, and then she burst into tears and starts to shake, puts the plates down and everything. And, and then he's like, did, he, was, he was posh, David? He's like, did that mean anything to you, my dear? And, and then sat down and said, well, do you want to tell us why? And she said, well, I've recently come, become a Christian and I've just started to work here because it was like a Christian conference centre. And he um, said, so, but I have a long, long struggle in my life with eating disorders. And, uh, and, and I've, I've been like really struggling a lot recently and I've been praying about it. And, uh, and all I've been able to do, I, I was just putting all this food out for all of you. And all I've been able to do recently is eat a little bit of salad. And I said to God, as we were walking around, all I can do is eat salad. And then you touch me on the arm and said, excuse me, God says you'll be all right with the salad. Absolutely. (laughs) And I mean, we need that in the church. But you kind of think, well, how did he get that level of accuracy? By being willing to say to somebody, excuse me, (laughs) <laughs> you know, that's how you get it. He didn't just get it; he got it by, by, by risking, by saying the thing. You know, the the, the God and and so in this book he says. Very often, he says it's in, lo- in, a- in estate agent speak, they talk about location, location, location. But for the kingdom of God, he says, and in prophecy, the key is timing, timing, timing. And actually to recognise there's a right time to be able to bring the right word to the right person. And when it, uh, and usually, you know, i found with me, it'll usually not be necessarily when I really want it. And when it's all super comfortable for me, because again, it, it's like that. Then, then you end up with those kicking yourself in the leg moments of, oh, I wish I'd said that. Because then later on, they come up to you and they go, oh, blah, 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 and tell you stuff. And you're like, Aah! God told me that. But it doesn't matter, you can't tell them because you, you missed it. We missed it. And it would have been such an encouragement to them If we'd said it. So this is why it's worth the risk, isn't it? As long as we can say it in a loving way to help people. Not to be held back by fear. Not to let the fear of getting it wrong, which is actually the need to get it right. The fear of getting it wrong is the need to get it right. And who's that about? It's about me. I need to get it right. Why? What are we so afraid of? Fear is like the handbrake so often on on what God wants to to do. And we have to have a greater fear than that to override it. I sometimes think I've told the story about when I was in the uh, police cadets and learning and 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 they took us up on the high diving board and there was this guy who basically taught you high diving and I thought oh this would be good he must be teaching us all the techniques and how we're going to do it and and I went up to the top of this high diving board really up in the sky it seemed like and then you got up to the top and this guy's waiting there and he was called Dave he's a huge guy with massive muscles standing there waiting and then he said uh, I said hi he went dive off I was like, no, it's like, you know, I, need, I need a lesson. <laughs> I've come up for the lesson. And the lesson was dive off. And I said, well, I don't know how to dive off. And he said, I can throw you off or you dive off. So I took the dive off option. <laughs> and um, I, had a, I had the fear of heights and the fear of water and the fear of diving were all overridden by the fear of Dave. <laughs> so this has to, if there's a greater fear than of getting it wrong, you know? The, the Bible says the fear of man will prove a snare. The fear of what other people think will hold me back from, from what God wants me to be able to to release to them. There's a you know, there's a time when he says the the Pharisees. Um, Jesus looked at them and he says, you know, your real problem is is the fear of man. That that's what you know, you are all about. And he you diligently search the scriptures, you miss me in them. But he said you love the praise of people, and and that's what's going to hold you back. They loved human praise more than the praise that comes from God. And that's what we've got to do in all of this stuff. is And the, you know, the flip side is that we can end up loving, loving that human praise so much that we end up uh, saying things that are going to please people or, or in some way bringing too much of me into it. And the thing is with prophecy, although it is great, I've found that it, it is scary. And this is why we keep on talking about it. There is a, an element of scariness to it. I find that there is that moment, you know, I'm, I'm quite happy to bring a t- gift of teaching. I, you know, People say, do you get nervous before you do it? I can't remember the last time I ever got nervous getting up and teaching, doing evangelism. I'm really happy doing evangelism. But the, the prophetic is that. It is, it's that kind of, whoa, what if it's not? And that's the scary thing. And um, and to do, what we've got to do with that is you've got to move anyway. Step into the fear, move in faith and trust God. Because actually at the end of the day, it's not about us, it's about him. He's the one who gives the gifts. I was reading this thing, uh, in the, uh, the word in Hebrew for, fear is linked backwards in some way to the the same word for faith. And it's like fear pulls you back, faith pulls you forward. Same word reversed in Hebrew. So when it says that they they were standing there at the Red Sea and they've got the people, they've got the army coming behind them and the sea in front of them what are they going to do and they cried out to God and God says what are you doing crying to me move forward and it's as they move forward that the, the sea parted um, hallmarks of whether or not it's God whether or not it's the enemy, whether it's his, him working or not. There's, there's, these are from what he says, fear is one of the hallmarks of the work of the enemy in our lives. And um, he says the enemy's hallmarks and the godly alternatives are these. So basically you can check whether where it's coming from. If somebody brings a word, if there's a spirit, if it brings anxiety, if it brings confusion, if it brings powerlessness and condemnation, you don't really even have to check the postmark. Is that a word from God, if it brings that? No. If it brings faith, if it brings courage, conviction, hope, encouragement, confidence, then we know where it's coming from. Those are the the hallmarks of a word of God. And Lord, now as we... um, as we've had some teaching about this incredible gift and we eagerly desire it. Lord, we just want to say to you as if you needed it, you have full permission to speak to us. Our ears and our hearts and our minds are open and uh, we want to hear more and more from you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. For more podcasts, go to ivychurch.org forward slash media.